It's a deck cast, it's a deck cast, it's a deck cast. P A C C C A S T, cause I say it, it's a deck cast, it's a deck cast, it's a deck cast, deck cast. P A C C C A S T, P A C C C A S T. You're listening to Deck Cast, produced by students of Danville Area Community College. And now your hosts, Kaya and Keegan. Yo, 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 it's Kaya and Keegan here from the basement of the Clock Tower. Here on DACCast, we get to know the familiar faces we see all over campus in hopes that students at DAC and members of the community get to know each other a little better. With that being said, we are here today with a professor most of us have probably had in class, Dr. Wade. If you haven't, you should you should come to my class. <laughs> uh, Dr. Wade, can you introduce yourself and tell us your role here at DAC? Uh, so... Uh, my name is uh, Jonathan, uh, Dr. Jonathan Wade, I guess would be my school title. Um, I teach uh, primarily sociology. Uh, I'm an associate faculty member um, in the behavioral sciences, liberal art division. Fancy. Fancy. It's all about, you know, labels. You guys know how I like labels. <laughs> mm-hmm. So prior to going 100% remote learning, what did a normal day here look like for you? Oh, pre-COVID, pre-pre-pre-2020 COVID. Um, well, I mean, ideally, my classrooms are, are quite lively. Um, <laughs> uh, I am uh, quite lively. Uh, so, I truly believe when people are talking and engaging and interacting, we are learning. Um, I teach a social field, um, and so. It's really hard to talk about social behavior if you're not really socializing. Um, and so I tend to bring, you know, current information uh, to the classroom, things that's going on, you know, in everyday life. Uh, I tend to focus more on micro things, small um, interactions that we have as people. Um, I like jokes. I like to have a good time. I like food. I mean, so uh, typically it was a lot of um, just fun having <laughs> In sociology. So, um, yeah. So, And so, wait, what time do you have to get up to get here? Uh, okay, well, day? so this is kind of cool. Uh, so I live in, in, I live in Lafayette. Um, so we're an hour ahead of you. So if I leave my house at 8.05, I arrive at 8.05. <laughs> so, um, so I love that. Uh, it's, it's almost like time travel backwards. Um, <laughs> And sometimes uh, what's really fun about this is, like, sometimes my phone won't switch over. Uh, and so I'll be like, oh, my God, I'm an hour late. And then I'll get here, and then my phone will switch over. I'm like, oh, it's 8. Or, <laughs> like, it won't switch over on the way back. So the way back uh, is actually the, the disadvantage. Um, <laughs> so if I leave at 2, I show up home at 4. Oh, no. So it's uh, because of the hour difference. Yeah. But in the morning, it's um, great because I'm never late. Yeah. So yeah. I have a nine o'clock class. I really don't have to be here till 10. Yeah. So, um, so I, I, I definitely enjoy that. But going home is um, sometimes not as fun because it's, it's a two hour trip that I do in an hour. So I, and I don't drive really fast. So <laughs> I could not imagine having an hour commute to yeah. my job. I mean, is it rough? You know, I, I talk to myself a lot. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. So I tend to engage with everything. Um, and if you've been in my, if you've ever been in my class, uh, I like to talk about, um, you know, 
the interaction between us and objects. And, and so, you know, I interact with, so I watch a lot of podcasts. I watch a lot of debates and I sometimes insert myself into the debate Mm -hmm. that I'm listening to. (laughs) I'm just picturing that. Yeah. And I'm like yelling at my radio, like, all right, this is what I'm, this is, this is where I'm at. I agree with you, Paul. I agree with you. I agree. I think I know where you're coming from. Here's where we're at. And so sometimes it gets really weird because I pause the podcast so I can insert my own dialogue. Um, and so it, it's fun uh, as long as I have you know something to listen to, um, coffee to drink. Uh, I'm a big music person, so I really like um, the two hours. Uh, so, for example, Bruce Springsteen just came out with a new album. Um, mm-hmm. And so I got to enjoy that completely. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Uninterrupted. Yeah. Um, that is pretty nice. Four times. So, <laughs> yeah. So, I, I mean, I enjoy the time. I also have a five-year-old. So, you know, um, you know, being able to kind of just have a moment to kind of process, um, at least pre-COVID, um, my lectures are pretty intense. Um, mm-hmm. And so usually by the end of it, I am kind of like, uh, <laughs> so it's nice to kind of recharge on the way home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. And you said you listen to podcasts, right? Mostly debates. So okay. um, I haven't gotten I, – I did – I downloaded the podcast thing, and I downloaded a bunch of um, podcasts. Um, I should probably be more clear. I like to watch uh, live debates. So, okay. Okay. Um, which are not – which I guess are different than podcasts. Um, so um, I tend to gravitate more towards um, political, religious debates – um, or what I find most interesting. Gotcha. So interesting. Yeah. Okay. So let's so correction. I don't listen to podcasts on the way home. Please do not quote me on that. Okay. I so, but are you going to, are you going to listen to your own podcast? You know, I, I don't know. I, I, I mean, maybe, uh, I, I don't, I mean, the reason is it's like, so like COVID life is, is strange. Uh, and so, um, I, I've been lecturing on zoom and it's very interesting because most people just have like a, a, a blank screen with their name. And then there's like my face. And like, it's really strange because I'm like lecturing to myself <laughs> and I'm seeing myself respond to myself, which is, it's just strange. I'm like, why'd you make that face? Like, and so I don't know that I'll watch myself. I may listen but I'm also kind of critical of myself, so there's also part of me that worries that I'll just kind of like analyze yeah, over, um, over and over. Um, so yeah, so I, I, I don't know. I'm sure my wife will listen to it. Uh, my daughter uh, last last semester when we went completely, um, you know, online in the middle of the semester, I um, email or I uh, recorded some of my lectures on my back porch because my wife was working at home and Eleanor was there and. And so I recorded some lectures to upload, and they ended up on the cloud. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now I caught my daughter a couple of days ago watching a substance abuse lecture. <laughs> um, and so I'm like, what are you listening to, kid? And she's like, I'm listening to you, Dad. I'm like, oh. you record? And I looked at it, and it's like me on the porch. Like, all right, so we're going to talk about the classifications of drugs. And this is what – and she's just like – you talk about drugs a lot. And I'm like, why are you watching my lecture? I was proud, but also concerned. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, cause she watched the entire thing. So I was like, Took notes it's even engaging to a five-year-old, I guess. So, <laughs> there you go. um, but yeah, 
That's my life. <laughs> okay, so we're going to jump into your background. We did a little research. Yeah, I'm sure you cyber-stalked me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We tried our best. Awesome. Okay, so you got your bachelor's degree at Indiana State University, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, your master's at Capella University yep. and your doctorate at Walden University, yes. right? Can mm-hmm. you... Can you go through and tell me kind of what your degrees were and oh, your time God. there? Yeah. Okay. It was probably a long time ago, wasn't it? I, I can give you a short I can give you the short answer. I can give you the psychosocial answer. Um, <laughs> my educational journey, I actually started out at Parkland. Um, I graduated from a small school, uh, Catlin High, um, a.k.a. Footloose. Um, <laughs> and... So I started out, I, I went to Parkland. Um, I did not fare so well um, at college the first attempt. Um, ended up at DAC uh, for my second year. Did really great fall semester. Took a history of rock and roll class. If you have not taken history of rock and roll at DAC, I highly recommend you take this course. <laughs> uh, and this kind of like changed my entire like life. Um I've always loved music. I've always loved analyzing music. I've always just really been a fan of music. And I took this class and I was like, dude, I should totally just become a journalist and write about music for the Rolling Stone. Like, that's that's what I should do. You know, so like 18, 19-year-old me is like, I'm going to go write for the Rolling Stone. Like, that's what <laughs> I'm going to do. Uh, so I, I, uh, I, don't like, I don't like to say I dropped out. I like to say kind of like I, I, I falled out. I fell out. <laughs> of college. Uh, so I fell out of college uh, and um, ended up moving to uh, Terre Haute, had some family in Terre Haute, um, just spent a lot of time um, just hanging out. Um, I spent most of my early 20s just kind of hanging out. Mm-hmm. Uh, ran out of money, tried to start a magazine, didn't go well. Um, so I was about mm-hmm. 22, 23, maybe. Um, I think I was 23, getting close to 24. Uh, and I ran out of money and I started working at a hospital, uh, mostly cause I needed health insurance, uh, <laughs> and steady paycheck, pay rent. <laughs> um, and so I got a job at a hospital working third shift, um, you know, putting in insurance data and I would pretty much like kind of written off going to college. Like it just didn't seem like me. It didn't seem like it was something that I, um, had any particular interest in or that, I, I I was quite content with my my very easy fun life, okay. and so I worked at a hospital, regional hospital in Terre Haute for a couple of years. I worked third shift, played a lot of solitaire, <laughs> uh, read a lot of philosophy books. I mean, it was really like the perfect place to hang out. And I was working third shift one night, um, middle of winter, uh, and we always got a lot of interesting things that came through the ER, and most I can't remember, um, just. Most of them, I just kind of passed out of consciousness. And I'm sitting there playing solitaire, um, you know, just goofing off. And this young kid comes in, um, probably 13 or 14 years old. I'm holding this newborn. And um, she says, well, I'm here to basically, like, very, like, bluntly just says, well, I'm here to um, turn over my um, my child to you guys. And I was told that I could do that and there would be no questions asked. And so this obviously caught my attention, and I was like, uh, "I'm not taking newborns today. Like, I don't. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about." 
Um, and so I called the social worker who was working at the back of the ER, um, and his name was Brian. I'm still friends with him today. I was like, dude, there's this like girl trying to give me a newborn, <laughs> and she wants to leave it here and just go away. And he's like, okay, I'll be right up. And I'm like, this is odd. This is odd. And so I hang up the phone. I'm like, someone that's better than me will be up here in a minute. Um, and so Brian comes up. You know, they fill out some paperwork, um, get some health information. Um, I'm sitting at my desk, like, literally trying to shake off this really odd observation I've had. And um, I see, you know, Brian takes the baby uh, back to the ER um, and he's gone. The baby's gone. Uh, the, the, the kid leaves, just kind of walks into the darkness. And for some reason, unknowing to me at the moment, it did not go over well. I just really had a lot of questions. I was like, I don't understand why this child is staying and this child is leaving. And what led that child and this child to here and what my role in this process is. <laughs> so it's kind of like a like 23-year-old kid just literally having like this uh, crisis. crisis of what am I doing with my life? Yeah. Um, I assumed it was because I drank some bad Folgers coffee. <laughs> I had a burrito for lunch. And the next morning I was going to sleep it off and it would mm -hmm. just be the end of the story. That did not happen. Um, the next day I came back to work. Brian was working and I just had like, I just basically spent the next year and a half hanging out with a social worker in the ER uh, I spent the next year and a half um, in a library reading anything I could get my hands on. Uh, and finally, Brian was like, you should just go get a degree in this. I'm like, no, I'm just really trying to answer this question. Like, I don't, like, I'm very happy in my life. Uh, and he's like, no, I really think you should go and, you know, maybe this could be an occupation for you. And I'm like, they have occupations on, like, this has an occupation? He's like, yeah, kind of like me. And I'm like, I don't, I'm like, I don't want to work in an ER. Like, why would I want to work in an ER? Like, I don't like even like your pajamas. Like, um, <laughs> And so uh, I go to the human development building. Um, uh, Dr. Barrett was there, Dr. B. Um, and I walk in. I got hair to my shoulders. I think I was wearing um, a punk T-shirt. Uh, I had, like, this was, like, you got to remember, this is, like, early 2000, Blink-182, like, just, you know, Goodwill-wearing clothing, which is now actually popular again, yeah. which is kind of interesting. And I walk in, find the first professor I can find, and I'm like, hey, I want to learn about people. And she says, who are you? I said, I'm John Wade. Like, I'm here, man. Like, what's, what's going on? And she's like, where did you come from? And I'm like, well, it's a long story. Um, and so I think she tried to weed me out at first of the major. And um, I ended up taking a class, a senior level class without any training or previous classes, and just fell in love. Uh, fell in love with just observing and understanding human behavior. I uh, spent the next year and a half um, uh, finishing my bachelor's at Indiana State, uh, and I ended up getting a degree in uh, child development and family life education. And I was like, all right, well, now I'm just going to go out and conquer the world because that's what people do, right? Mm -hmm. They can go out and just change the world. Um, and so couldn't find a job. 
question. Yeah, couldn't find a job. Uh, the reason was is they at that time in Indiana they were switching over some of the system processes and um, some of the services that I would have uh, worked in. And so I was like, all right, well, I'll just send out my resume and see what happens. Um, and got a call from a company in North Carolina. Um, moved out to North Carolina, one of probably the rulest um, parts of North Carolina. I think the county I lived in had about 12,000 people in it, mm-hmm. uh, working in a, a juvenile home um, for kids in North Carolina. Uh, figured that was the end of college. Figured that was the end of college um, and started working. And with a matter of moments, uh, mo- when I say moments, obviously days, months, I started to notice, like, I really think that this, I don't understand why we're doing what we're doing. Mm-hmm. This, doesn't, this doesn't even seem like, and I know I don't know anything, but this doesn't seem like it's even effective at all. Like, I, I have no idea why you're taking this kid from inner city Raleigh-Durham and making them ask you to get a drink of water. Like, I, I don't understand this concept mm-hmm. of behavior modification. Like, you know, um, and this is dumb. <laughs> it was, I mean, I have now reinforced the fact that what they were doing is now dumb. Um, and so uh, I was like, I'm going to go to grad school. Um, so um, I signed up at, at Capella. I was fortunate enough um, to, at that time, um, some of the online distant learning was just becoming available um, and started um, that. Um, decided that uh, after about a, know, a couple of courses, I'm like, I just really can't do it. I can't be locked inside with people. Um, and so I came back to uh, Indiana, um, got a job at a local um, human resource agency, um, finished grad school, finished my master's, started doing some counseling therapy. And I was like, all right, well, that's the end of that. <laughs> like, we're done. Like, good. Like, this is the rest of my life. Um, and then I got promoted um, to a, um, a statewide um, initiative um, to look at large scale um, systems, uh, primarily DCS and its interaction with families and fathers. And so uh, this was a, a big grant, I think, out of Washington, Seattle, or Washington State. Um, and I applied for the job and then they actually just like rejected me. They were like, no, you don't meet the credentials. Mm-hmm. I don't think you're a good fit. I'm like, okay, cool. So I went back to my life. Um, and then about three months later, they call me like, hey, <laughs> um, so you've kind of been requested. <laughs> um, the, the people we're working with tend to really like you and they're wondering if you would be willing to step into this role. Um, I said, okay, cool. Um, I hadn't quite yet finished my master's uh, degree, my master's degree. And so I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll do that. Um, And this was a data collection position primarily. And I started taking in all this data and information um, and kind of archiving some of it. And it was really fun. Like, it was cool. I worked with spreadsheets and I captured demographics and there was a lot of cool stuff. And uh, then I had to go to this big, giant conference. And I showed up this big, giant conference and... uh, uh, probably with a wrinkled shirt and messed up hair, uh, most likely. <clears throat> and I had to present this information to like 600 people. And about halfway through the presentation, I realized I had no idea what I was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't know I didn't have any idea, but I didn't have any idea. Um, and I'm like, I'm just kind of like giving you this, like what I, like what I have, like, and you're like just eating it up. Right. And I'm like, but, Still nothing on the other side of the equal sign here. Mm-hmm. Like, we still don't really understand what's going on. Thought I ate some bad food. 
sleep <laughs> over it, wake up the next morning. I'm like, this is, I, I can't, why? I'm like, so once again, 26, 27 years old. Uh, <laughs> actually, I was about 30 at that time. Because I didn't graduate with my bachelor's until I was 27. Uh, so at that time, I'm kind of having like another crisis. Like, all right, what, what do I do? I have this information. I know what we're doing is not working. Uh, so I called Dr. Barrett back. Um, was a professor of mine at Indiana State. Um, I was like, hey, can I come in and talk to you? You know, she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I show up and I'm like, man, things are going great. I'm getting promoted. I'm making good money. Like, I mean, like my career is just flourishing. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, I have no complaints. Like, um, I think I worked with that company for two years and I think I had three promotions. Like, I just, things were really falling in the line. And I talked, I'm like, but I don't know how to analyze this information. Like, I don't know what to do with it. And she's like, oh, well, just, just go, go, get, go, go to graduate school again. I'm like, I've already went to graduate school. She's like, oh, no. She's like, go and get your, your doctorate. That's where you study research and data. Yeah. And I'm like, well, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I enrolled. Uh, did not think I was going to graduate by any means. Um, it was a struggle. Uh, it, I, it was very uh I was very fortunate. I got to go to school um, with people from all over the world. Um, I got to work on some really cool projects. Um, and uh, when I started, um, I, I wasn't teaching at that time. And one of my professors was like, oh, you should really start teaching. It's really good to teach while you're learning. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, uh, yeah, I'm not really a teacher. Like, I, I never, like, it's not really me. Mm-hmm. She's like, just do it for your CV. It looks really good. Just go do it. I'm like, okay, I'll go do it. That's what I'll do. And so uh, I was living in Illinois at the time, and they had uh, there was like an, an ad for like a part-time, once a semester, night class in child development. Like that is like, I think it was every spring. I'm like, perfect. Once a year, three hours a night, it'll look really good on my resume. Um, and about six weeks into <laughs> teaching, I realized that, this is where I should be. Like, this is the, the problems I was having was it all started in education. None of the, when I got out, when I left college and I entered the real world, um, the theories were awesome. But when I saw the theories and the practice and the outcomes, I realized that I really should have been better prepared because, um, you know, the idea was is you keep families together and you do whatever you can to keep them together. The reality is in society is sometimes it's extremely difficult. And so I was like, if I'm going to create change, this is where I start. The next generation of people. Like, not, not in the idea of like indoctrinating them, but the idea of that bringing awareness and inspiring people to change you got, I mean, I'm getting old now. So, I mean, my energy is obviously okay. I mean, I'm not completely empty. Um, but I found that the best intervention I had was at education. Um, and uh, one class grew into two, two grew into three. Um, eight years passed. I uh, finally finished my PhD, started doing consulting work. Um, still doing therapy on the side. Um, and a full-time position opened up here. Uh, interviewed it. Interviewed for it. Um, and was given the greatest opportunity to be here full time. I do have one question that was brought up a few times is 
Okay, do you have issues with bad food giving you, like, bad yeah. experiences? <laughs> like, is that a thing that actually happens? Or? No, I think, too, is, like, if you eat the wrong food, uh, you <laughs> like, have, like, weird dreams, man. How many bad burritos have you had in your I've life? I've had a few. <laughs> and rethought your entire... Um, and I, I, I had a... I just, that's an easy, easy blame show. I ate cafeteria food. I ate a burrito at a hospital cafeteria at midnight. <laughs> You know, and so yes, I do think, yeah, how, yeah. If you have a weird meal, like some strange, you get some strange dreams, man. But I just <laughs> the unsettling in my stomach. It was easier to say this is due to something situational. This okay, is not yeah, a. Yeah. This is not me actually worrying. This is me just feeling weird because I had this really cheap burrito, <laughs> um, or whatever. But. Um, uh, this is a great movie. Have you ever, ever seen the movie uh, Jerry Maguire? Have you ever seen Jerry Maguire? No. I have. We're too young. Okay. Well, you guys should really watch Because <laughs> basically, like, it's, I feel like I'm Jerry Maguire, except I'm not a sports agent. And basically, he had a bad piece of pizza and grew a conscience. Uh-huh, okay. And, like, Interesting. now, obviously, you don't eat pizza and grow a conscience. But for me, it was an experience created and a level of awareness that I was not used to having. Okay. Gotcha. And I blamed it on a burrito. <laughs> because I it was think convenient. I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna start doing that too. Yeah. Okay. Just blame it on a burrito. <laughs> okay, so. and then we also did more stocking on you and you've told us about most of the jobs you've had and you brought up a consulting group and it was listed as Wade Consulting Group. Is that your own? Uh it is now closed. Oh, just kidding. <laughs> yeah. There uh when I came on full time, uh I Basically uh, made this my primary. Okay. Um, at that time, I was doing I was doing some hospital training. I was training some. So it uh, was like your own. Yeah, business. it was me. It, oh, was, okay. it was just easier uh, to incorporate it for tax reasons. Yeah. Um, <laughs> when I saw the LLC, and, I thought that yeah, that was the whole point. I had started doing. Um, my belief system has always been to help, kind of um, help people along, and so those were places in which I would. You know, I offered training for um, reduced cost, um, and then my accountant, I think, was like, "Dude, like you're paying all this like self-employment tax," and so I just incorporated it. <laughs> um, and I did that for a couple of years. I did some editing services, um, did some uh, working with you know graduate students on editing and uh, publication prep, um, methodology work, um, and then I also worked with organizations in regards to just. Trainings. Um, I did a lot of trainings, um, primarily the hospital, and then I did behavioral consulting. Okay. So that was pretty cool. Um, and so all that was um, – there was stuff I was doing individually that I couldn't do at the company I was working at. And so the safest way to kind of do it – I had a lot of self-pay work where people reached out and hired me to do self-pay work. And you never really want to do things uh, in the professional field, um, of especially psychology, yeah. uh, without uh, a nice um, um, overarching protection. And so the LLC was basically that. Gotcha. And then closed it down. Gotcha. Yeah. So you talked about wanting to teach to inspire change and make an impact on the next generation. Yes. And I have to think that trying to make an impact over a computer screen has been harder with COVID. So speak on that a little bit and the oh, like, changes you've had to make. Uh, it's been, uh, I, I am not a fan of technology. I've never been a fan <laughs> of technology. Uh, it's, <clears throat> there's a belief 
that you can facilitate organic relationships through technology. This is the this is the myth. Um, this is the myth that, um, tech companies sell us. Zoom is just as effective as meeting together and so on and so forth. Um, so I've really struggled with not being able to be in the same room with the people I'm teaching. Um, a lot of my lecture, a lot of my dialogue, a lot of my conversations are based off of nonverbal responses. Yeah. And so if I'm delivering a theory or an idea and you're drifting over here, <laughs> I'm able to readjust. I'm, I'm able to kind of bring us back yeah. to the idea or deliver the idea differently, okay. a different way. I do not get that in technology. I don't see your face. I don't. I can't pick up on the nonverbals, which are the indicators to me of whether or not you're grasping the concept. Um, it is hard to inspire change if people don't understand what they should change or even should look at. Yeah. So getting the information is, I think, the most important thing to creating that interest creating that awareness that then leads people to take on task and obligations outside of the classroom. And so it's, it's all kind of contingent upon this. Yeah. Um, we build a relationship. You take that relationship on to someone else and build a relationship and so on and so forth. And so it's, yes, it's been very, it's been very difficult for me to kind of figure out how do I connect with you through this. Um, but I, I think it's going okay. I mean, um, I try to be as genuine as possible. Um, I've kind of moved more towards a supportive role with students um, versus just bombarding you with information. Um, I've started using a little bit more technology that can get content to people so that I have more time to do more supportive processes like encourage you or check in on you. And um, so I, I do a lot of that. Um, you know, I, students text me, students email me, students message me, um, students call me. Um, so anytime I have an opportunity to actually talk with someone, um, I tend to, I encourage that a lot. Call me, like call me, we can talk about the material. Um, and so, yeah, just definitely just trying to get over um, this hurdle, but also trying to realize uh, technology doesn't tend to go away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. it's not like one day we're going to wake up and be like, these iPhones, <laughs> you know, we're going to leave it on the kitchen table and never use it again. Um, so it's here to stay. Zoom is here to stay. Zoom was actually the only company prepared for the pandemic. <laughs> yeah. They were the only company that didn't struggle. They're like, we're ready. <laughs> we've like, been waiting. This is the stock thing that we've been waiting on for years. Like, <laughs> Um, they had so much business, they gave it away for free. Yeah. Um, so yes, I think that it's going to be here. It's, you know, um, education has been moving for a long time with technology as technology develops, education changes. Um, you know, I mean, the example I get like Harvard went online, like Harvard went online. Yeah. MIT went online. Like, I, I mean, universities that are the, the traditional had to adapt. Yeah. And once you adapt and you see it works, it's hard to not continue to adapt 
with technology. So and what so you're saying is you think that we're going to see like even after? I, I think that we will see. A lot of I don't think that we'll see all of it. Um, the saving grace, I think, for me is you still cannot beat the success rates that occur with a student knowing a faculty member. Mm-hmm. Like there is something about relationships that is in every field I've ever worked in, whether it's therapy, whether it's consulting, whether it's teaching. The relationship is what gets people through. Now, do I think that we will see more presence online and through technology? Absolutely. Because it's giving us, you know, like one of the things I've learned, I've always struggled with getting students to read. Yeah, I'm sure you guys, neither one of you ever had a problem reading. No, Just sat down, yep. can't wait to get to that mm-hmm. chapter. <laughs> um, and so some of the technology I've started using now uh, actually kind of evaluates whether or not people are reading, whether or not people are comprehending. Yeah. And so this is an excellent tool that I never would have used if it wasn't for this situation. That tool is not going to go away. Yeah. So that tool is going to give me more opportunity to engage with people. So I do think that we will start to see a lot of different things occurring even after this is over. Now, you got to remember, to build a habit, it takes 90 days. To break one, it takes 120. So we've consistently used all this stuff for nine months. We're going to use it probably for another however long. So we're going to be two years into this platform. Wow, that's And if you think about the adjustment it took to get to this platform, what's the adjustment going to look like coming off of it? (laughs) So, I mean, it's not like we wake up one day and be like, you know, I ate cheeseburgers every day for two years. And today I'm going to have a salad. <laughs> like, I mean, there's yeah. going to be things that come with it and things that stay. Um, and there will be things that go away. There will be, I think there will be actually a lot of what I think will happen is people will be eager to connect again. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think really there will be a, a, a people will be ready to connect with other people. Yeah. Um, the other, the other side too is our profession's not ready. And I say my profession, not as a professor, uh, but as you know, a therapist. As, is a, there's a lot of mental health needs right now. There's a lot of just we have people that are really struggling all over at di- in, in all different age groups. So we have people, um, some of the elderly population, some of the older population, haven't had human contact in a year. Mm. So I mean, there's there's lots of things I think that we will need. Um, this is really advanced therapy for now. We do a lot of uh, therapies being delivered via um, video, yeah. Yeah. teletherapy, video therapy, where, you know, even though I can't get you into my office to see me, we can still work on things. And so, I mean, you know, that saves on gas, driving, that saves on office space, office costs, utilities. Why would an agency not keep a piece of that available? Like, and and so, I mean, I think too, we're going to see just the next stage and the next evolution of education, therapy, psychology, medicine. Interesting. Yeah. I I saw my doctor via video in my pajamas on my couch. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, why would I ever wait in line? Like, why would I ever do that? Like, I I literally just like clicked a button and they said, we'll send you a link. And I said, okay. I clicked on the link. I didn't have to go and sit in the waiting room. I didn't have to go wait in that really weird robe. Yeah. You know, I just was right there. And so the time saving measure there, I mean, 
you know, so why would you not? Why would you let go of that? Why why would you let go of that? But also too is I think, you know, that was for, you know, basically a yearly checkup. If I was extremely sick, I would want. Yeah. And so, yeah, so I think we'll see a lot of it stay over. I think we'll see some of it go away. But I also think we'll see a a um, push from people to to really connect again mm-hmm. um, yeah. and whatever that looks like. Yeah. So I don't know if that answers your question or not. Yeah. <laughs> I had you for <clears throat> sociology. Ah, and awesome. You, you, talked, you talked a lot about your wife and your daughter, Eleanor. Yeah. And I remember you talking that your wife was a corporate executive. Uh, she works for a nonprofit. So she's okay. a um, chief operating officer of a nonprofit in Lafayette. Okay. So, um, which uh, we actually uh, both started um, at the same agency, which is how we met. Um, she was actually my boss at one time. Whoa. Oh, yeah. Whoa. <laughs> uh, I think she wanted to fire me a couple times. I'm pretty confident <laughs> that she wanted to fire me a couple times. Uh, I'm a lot to manage. Um, and, uh, we, I'd went to a conference, um, and I had left that position and took another position here in Illinois. And, um, you know, I called her one day and said, Hey, you know, I, I was at this conference and the presenter had this information. Would you like to, you know, I could share it with you and coffee turned into dinner, dinner turned Whoa. into dating, dating turned into marriage, which then turned into Eleanor. <laughs> so on and so forth. Yeah. So Eleanor's five. Uh, this was the first year um, that she's in, she's in kindergarten. Um, oh. So this has been a transition. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was a preschool teacher from uh, March till August. Um, and I had never felt so inadequate in all my life. Like, I'm like, I can't, Matt, why don't you know the alphabet? <laughs> She's like, dad, you gotta be patient. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I was doing finger paintings and, you know, flashcards and trying to keep her on task. Um, and so that has been, um, obviously a, a, a change to just to our family system. I mean, I haven't seen my parents in I don't know how long, um, so so, yeah, so there's a lot of that. But, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, Eleanor and uh, Cassie, uh, th- they give me a lot of stability. Um, prior to that, I, I moved or relocated about every year, two years. Um, I went from Indiana or Illinois to Indiana to North Carolina to Lafayette to Illinois, back to Terre Haute, back to Lafayette, back to Illinois, back to Lafayette. Um, so, I mean, um, I've been kind of centered in Lafayette for the last, I think, eight years. Yeah. And there's no plans of leaving. So that's good. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, they give me a lot of balance. Um, so that's nice. So you enjoy the stability over the unpredictability? Uh, well, I'm, she's, she's the boat and I'm the storm. Um, and so, you know, I'm, uh, I'm very much uh, like go big or go home. Like yeah. I'm very much about time is fleeting. Mm-hmm. Like we – there's only so much time we have to accomplish everything that we need to accomplish. Um, and um, she's much more like pump the brakes. Yeah. Like, you know, um, I'll walk off a cliff if I think I can get to the other side. Like, I mean, if I'm like, yeah, I can jump it. I mean, so she's more like, yeah, let's build a bridge, honey. Let's just build a bridge. It's like, I don't got time to build a bridge. Like, so, yes. Yeah, so I'm quite unpredictable. Um, I'm quite spontaneous, uh, and so uh, she's much more calm, collected. She's more a little bit more introverted at times. Um, I'm more extroverted at times. Um, most times I'm pretty extroverted. Uh, so, yeah, so I, I definitely enjoy stability, definitely enjoy um, – I was a father at a later age. I, Eleanor wasn't born until I was 32. Um, 
And so it's been very much just I completely getting to relive my childhood, which is awesome. Um, so um, so it's great. Got summers with her. Um, so, yeah. Gotcha. So you're a big music fan, I've heard. Uh, yeah. I, well, used to be. I try to keep up. Uh, the problem with music is it moves, mm-hmm. changes, adapts, evolves. Um, it takes a lot of energy to stay current. And what's going on with music. Um, And so I'm current to about 2013. (laughs) (laughs) um, About the time I went into my dissertation. Uh, And so, yeah, I am very much an appreciator of music. Um, So, yeah, yeah, I love music. Okay. Even new music. Um, So sometimes students introduce me. I think last semester someone introduced me to to Machine Gun Kelly. Oh. Um, (laughs) And I was like, oh, yeah, I'll give it a listen. Um, And then. Are you a fan? I don't know how I feel about him yet. No? I, I don't know. I guess he's dating uh, Megan, Fox. Megan, Megan Fox. Fox now. Yeah. You know, the person who destroyed Transformers. <laughs> no, she did not. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know why she was in Transformers. I don't know what her purpose in Transformers was. Like, I don't know why she was there. I actually, Everyone I actually, knows her actually, purpose. Actually, I don't know why she was there. Exactly. I know the exact sociological answer to why they always put beautiful people in action movies. Like... I know there's seven minutes until the world explodes. <laughs> Let's have one more dance. <laughs> or how about you get rid of the bomb and then go get a cafe later? Um, so, yeah. So I know that that came up, that she's dating him. and um, Yeah. So I've been trying to uh, listen to uh, music. Um, I've been introducing my daughter to new music, um, which is trying to offset what my wife listens to. What does your wife listen to? Like poppy music. You're not a pop. No, I'm not. Besides, no, I'm not a pop fan. Ariana Grande's new yeah, album. <laughs> no, I I like rock. I like folk. Um, I Bob like Dylan. Uh, oh, Bob Dylan's my yeah. Bob Dylan's my guy. Um, <laughs> and uh, so yes, very much more. I like classic rock. Um, I like musicians. Mm-hmm. So I should be. I like people who play instruments and okay. write songs and um, tell stories. And so. Sometimes it's hard for me to listen to music that's not necessarily telling a coherent, followable a story that is you can follow. <laughs> yeah. um, so, uh, so, but at the same time, you have to appreciate the creation process. And so, you know, it, and I get a lot of. I mean, obviously, Bob Dylan is not everyone's cup of tea. Um, I, my wife will not listen to Dylan to save my life. Wow. Um, she, She's just not a Dylan fan. She's no. like, I don't get it. He sounds hoarse. He, I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> um, and so, you know, the idea behind, you know, behind music, music is something to someone, even if it's not something to you. Mm-hmm. And so that was beautiful. Oh, I know. Like it's almost that like was it's poetic. Almost, it's like, like poetic. That's yeah. me. That's what I'm going to do after my next life. I'm a poet. <laughs> I'm sit by a pond in a boat and just come up with quotes. Uh, but so. At times, though, I am quite critical of what people listen to. When I step back and say, okay, this appeals to you for whatever reason. And it's not really my place to kind of critique or put judgment on your preference. Like, you don't like Dylan, I'm okay with that. So, um, But I am definitely trying to persuade Eleanor 
um, to more towards more more. I wanted to play over on my side, so I spent a lot of time with her and play a lot of rock music. I've been She really likes Guns N' Roses. She likes ACDC. Um, So she likes some of the 70s punk. Um, She told her teacher her favorite musician was Bob Dylan. Were you proud? I can feel it. Well, Eleanor's named after Dylan. So Eleanor's name is Eleanor Grace Dylan. Um, So I wanted to name her Bob, but but, but Cassie wouldn't have it. This is my daughter, Bob. (laughs) Bobby Ann. That's probably dead Bobby Ann or something. I don't know. Um, so, yeah, love music. Um, because it really is, that's the other thing. Like, music really does um, tie together. Um, music and social change have always kind of went hand in hand. Yeah. Um, music and politics have always kind of went hand in hand. And so if you really want to know what people are feeling and thinking, music is the best place to get those answers. So, I mean... So I listen to music primarily to see, well, where are people at on things? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that's pretty much it. Oh, so she shot right over Baby Shark. Yeah, I was going to ask about that earlier. <laughs> classical rock. Yeah, the first song, the first band I introduced her to was The Who when she was like one. And she she didn't know what to do. She was like, this is what? I'm like, this is, <laughs> this is The Who. She would have talked. She's like, who, who? Like, who? It's like, man on third. Uh, so yeah, so I've been slowly exposing her to my particular genres of music for a long time. Gotcha. So I, I just have something funny to bring up. Okay. I, a funny question. All right. So when it wasn't remote and I was in Mr. Wade's class, he would always walk in. He had a leather. What, what do you call those things? Brief? It's like would a, it be like a briefcase or like a satchel? Like a satchel. Like a satchel. Le- a leather satchel. satchel with a bunch of compartments. I had a leather satchel? And yeah. I actually liked it a lot. Okay. And he would walk in, sit it on his table, and he would look for his clicker for probably about 10 minutes before class every single day. So I'm wondering if you have found a way to efficiently... No. No. Uh, up until up until we went remote... Um, so actually, two funny stories. If you know anything about the clicker, the clicker actually has a life history. It really has. It's um, oh, you told me. So I actually that. stole that. So I had a clicker, um, which is for anyone that's out there watching. A clicker is how you move your PowerPoint without having to go to the keyboard. Um, and so when I worked for the hospital, um, I did a lot of trainings, and so I bought this clicker where I could you know move the PowerPoint without. Um, and they stole it and lost it. And so they went and bought a new one in which I stole on my exit out. It's only fair. Only fair. Yeah. And uh, only fair. Um, and so I tell this story for like the last you know, probably three years about the clicker I stole that I always lose and can't find. This semester, I found the clicker that I thought the hospital lost <gasps> and oh stole. <laughs> It was like under my seat. It's been there for like three years, but I immediately believe that some other professional stole my clicker. Um, so I called the lady uh, that I used to work with at the hospital. She still, she still works there. She still works there. And I'm like, I think her name's her name's Amanda. I'm like, hey, you remember that clicker I accused you of stealing? And she's like, I no. Nah. I'm like, just wanted to let you know I found it. So now I have two. 
Um, so basically, if I can't find the one I first find, I have another one. I think I have one like in the desk, and then I have one in my bag. So yeah, so that yeah, so that was kind of a everything is lost or stolen until I find it. Like mostly stolen until I find it. Yeah. But yeah, I I still lose my clicker. Um, students still be like, all right, it's over there. I lose my coffee mug. I mean, <laughs> I do remember that being yeah, in class. Yeah, it's like I'm like, where did my coffee go? And they're like, over there, like the big giant. Thing and so, yes, I really rely on you guys to keep me <laughs> in tune with where my property is at. <laughs> yeah. So this is switching gears, more of a curiosity question. Just trying to wonder, like, a feel on your interests. Okay. If you could go back to one time Ooh. in your life, well, if you want to make a change, if you just want to relive something, what time would that be? <sighs> That's a hard man. That, that's like a. That is a hard one. He kind of like opened that up question. to be like, like nostalgia like another, or like regret. Mid, like you're gonna send me into like an existential crisis here. Like, all right, <laughs> oh, what would I do? Again. What would I do over bad coffee? Um, you know, I I was very uncertain in life. Most of um, there's there's a certain energy and excitement about being uncertain about mm-hmm. what does the what does the future hold. Um, and this can be somewhat um, enticing. Um, and I don't know exactly how I ended up where I ended up. I don't know all of the nice little reasons and rationales and choices. Um, but I don't know that I would go back and change anything because I would be fearful that I would end up somewhere else. And I can't imagine hmm being anywhere else. And I think, I don't know if it was the the kid that brought the baby into the hospital. I don't know if it was the conversation with Brian. I don't know if it was, you know, me thinking that college wasn't a good decision and taking a job at a hospital or, I mean, I have no idea in which of those situations put me on the course in which I ended up in and on and still presently writing. And so it would be very difficult for me to go back um, and change even things that were difficult for me to do because um, I've always believed that that life is the best teacher. And as we live and we experience, we learn um, and we grow and we develop. And so the idea of turning back the clock, um, I don't know that I really want to see where this road goes. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping this road goes to somewhere great and positive and wonderful. And at the end, I'm content and happy and okay with what I did. Um, but I don't know that I would redesign whatever journey I'm on. And I don't know that I'd go back and redesign it either. Yeah. So even the difficult parts. So. Yeah. Gotcha. Wow. Yeah. That was beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. It's me. Yeah. All about the beauty of life <laughs> and your, your journey yeah my, love my journey. coffee yeah so and this could trigger another 10 minute answer again but i just want to ask you yeah i've been thinking about it for pretty much since you said this and it was a while ago okay but you said that girl coming in with the baby and that whole interaction with brian you said that that formed a question that you wanted to answer mm-hmm. did you end up answering that question yeah you did mm-hmm. have you pretty much explained that answer throughout the whole uh, the answer was, um, we live kind of in a society, in a culture, and we're very much an individualistic culture. 
Um, and we sometimes struggle with understanding how the choice we make today when helping people or deciding whether or not we invest in people. Mm-hmm. This is really like a banker, banker says, like <clears throat> an investment question. Um, and what I found was there was a moment in that interaction, and it took me years to kind of figure this out. There was a brief moment where that child's life changed, that baby's life changed, the course, the direction that it was going changed. But there was a moment <clears throat> with that family, with that teenager, where we could have corrected the wrong. We, we could have figured out a way for her not to have to do what she had to do. Mm-hmm. And she, I remember her telling me when she, when she first presented to the counter saying, I have no other, I have no other option. I don't know what to do. I have no, and like at that point I had no idea what kind of services we had, what kind of investments we had. Um, but what I found was in that moment, we diverted all of our attention to the baby Hmm. And we let the other child walk into the darkness. And so what I kind of learned later on was how do people pick and choose their investments? Like, who, who do you, who do you, how do you pick and choose who you try to help? And that to me was very kind of like very, very powerful later on in life because uh, I still think about, I mean, I can still see her face. I mean, I can still see her face. Um, is that, man, if, if you would have walked in to me now, I think I, I, I could have, I could have, mm-hmm. um, that is probably if I look back on my, my epic fails, um, that's the one I, I struggle with the most that, gotcha. that interaction. Um, and Brian and I've talked a lot about that. And I sometimes I was like, why did you let her walk out? Like, why did you let her leave? Like, you didn't know someone, you didn't have a phone number. Like, and to me, it was like, that was like the investment just walked out the door. Like the person, she's going to have another child. She's going to have, this is our time. And if we invest we don't like to invest preventatively. <laughs> like we don't want to, we don't want early investments. Like we want to wait till the train is crashed yeah, and then kind of rummage through the pieces. Like, well, you know, I guess we should have put more money in education. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, I mean, it's like, so me, the answer was, is we're so short sighted. Um, and we tend to like to sum up where people are going to end up based on the information we have at hand. And we disqualify and and remove all the human qualities that are going to. The person you don't invest in may be the person that you're going to need 10 years from now. Yeah. Like that's the, that, that to me is like the question is that I think uh, I, I used to have a saying, I don't have any more. I mean, well, I used to say it all the time. I was like, I'm getting to that age where I'm like, I, I'm not under any delusion or that I'm going to save the world and I'm going to reformate the world and change the world. Uh, I may influence someone who will. And so for me, yeah. it's more of a, I need as many influencers and people out there that are going to do the work so we can succeed. So the next time a young person like me has an interaction with a young person like that, 
they think and they act not just based on the information at hand. Yeah. And so, I mean, I don't know. I mean, that's the answer I came to is we're sometimes quite short-sighted. Yeah. Interesting. And, yeah. Gotcha. Okay. So before we leave here, wrap things up, I did okay. have one question to ask you. And maybe this is like the opportunity to like plug DAC or whatever, whatever you're feeling. But uh, what attracted you to DAC, but also what keeps you here? Oh, man. Uh, one, I love DAC. Like um, I, uh, I had a positive experience um, here. Like I kind of think that everything started at DAC. Like if I wouldn't have taken that class, yeah. I wouldn't have went to Indiana State that had a journalism program. I wouldn't have tried to make a magazine. I wouldn't have failed at that magazine. Yeah. Um, and so I have kind of a connection with um, DACC on a personal level as a, as a one-time student who had a good interaction, positive interaction. Um, I moved around a lot as a kid, um, so I ended up moving to Catlin, I think, the middle of my junior year of high school. Um, and, and that was the first place that really kind of felt like home. And so there's kind of a, a, I've lived, like I said, I've lived in a variety of different locations. Uh, I made really good friends. Uh, really, I've made really good relations, had really good relations in this area. And so I think that keeps me here. Um, but the big thing is my students. I have some of the best students. Like, I, I mean, and um, that I think is, I literally look forward to seeing you again. Like, yeah. like literally like when I can't come to class, like I actually miss you. I'm like, like, not just like, oh, I get to get out of work today. Like, I mean, there's part of me that's like, we're, I mean, so it's like, I, I, I don't think of my job as a job. Like, I think of what I do for a living. I get paid to do the best thing I could ever do. Like, I mean, it's to me, it's like, um, you know, my wife will ask me because sometimes I get stressed. Mostly I worry about, you know, you guys, how do I get you through? How do I help you? Am I being helpful? Am I being effective? Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, I'm like, man, I, I like, uh, how, what, how, did I, how did I get so lucky? Like, how did I get so lucky that I get to work here? I have a great boss. I have great administrators. I have great colleagues. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have great students. Um, I think we have a beautiful campus, Um, you know, and so to me, what keeps me here is that I like being a part of this system. I like being in it. I mean, and, you know, no system's perfect. Nothing's perfect. But to me, our, the thing, I mean, I think we're definitely dedicated to students. I think we're community dedicated. Um, So to me, it's just like, I not only miss my students, I miss my colleagues. Um, you know, uh, I miss seeing my boss. I miss seeing you guys. Um, uh, you know, I tend to go over and, you know, interact with, you know, the counselors and the advisors and, um, you know, I bring people donuts and I bring people coffee. And, and so to me, it's just like this, I do think of this kind of as like a really interconnected yeah. environment that I couldn't imagine not being at. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Now we are going to do the DAC attack, which is a series of rapid fire questions with our guest, Dr. Jonathan Wade. One, two, three, four. I mean, that's it? Summer or winter? Winter. Have a boss, be the boss. Have a boss. Movies or TV? 
Like, 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 well, you got to be a little more specific. Like, are you mean like Netflix, Netflix, Amazon Prime TV, TV shows, or like 1999 sitcom movies or TV shows? TV shows. Oh, sorry, 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 desk. Um, I'm gonna go with TV, man. I'm gonna go with TV just because you get a, just TV, TV, Lafayette or Danville. I would live here if I could get my wife to come. Okay. Okay. Sweet or savory? I like sweets. Eat in or dine out? I do like to go out. Even more so now. Because <laughs> so, you can't. Because I can't. I've never been so happy to go to get a cheeseburger and sit inside a building. <laughs> Tea or coffee? Coffee. Chocolate or vanilla? Chocolate. Psychology or sociology? Sociology. Wow. The Beatles or the Rolling Stones? Rolling Stones. Wow. Okay. Right. You were pretty set on those last two. We really thought that that yeah. would kind of like <laughs> yeah, uh, jostle well, you a little bit. I, I have some uh, personal issues with John Lennon. Whoa. <laughs> There's certain things that Lennon did in his life that I... Uh, so we're going to be back for a part two with him on that whole reasoning. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, on that note, I wanted to thank you so much for being here, Dr. Wade. We really appreciate you being here, and we had a really fun time. Yeah. Awesome. And I just wanted to say that um, a lot of people think very highly of you here at well, DAC, and you. so we appreciate you bringing your A-game every time you come to class. Mm-hmm. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. This has been the DAC cast with Kaya and Keegan. Stay classy, Jaguars.